5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church exists for those searching to know God. Whether you are a longtime churchgoer or spiritually frustrated and homeless, we strive to create a safe space where you can come, interact with others on the same journey, and ask the tough questions. At 5280 Church, we believe that Jesus is the ultimate personification of God, but we encourage everyone to be in their own process of seeking, finding, and knowing God. No judgment, no exceptions. You can join our community at our website, 5280church.com, or on Facebook at 5280church. Each Sunday, we broadcast a portion of our service on Facebook Live to give you a taste of what your experience will be, and so you can meet some friendly faces. Tune in and interact with our host, asking your questions and digging deep into all things spiritual. In this series, Hashtag Blessed, we are taking a close look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, a section commonly known as the Beatitudes. In this passage, Jesus declares a blessing over several categories of people. However, his choice of people groups is interesting. It seems he wants to write a script that flips our preconceived notions on its head. It's the poor, the weak, and the nonviolent that appear to receive Jesus' stamp of approval. What are we to make of this, and what does it actually mean to be blessed? Jump in with us as we seek to find the truth behind Jesus' famous mountaintop address. And without further ado, hashtag blessed. jumping into our series called Hashtag Blessed. You know, when we think about blessings in our, our lives, we always think about the positive things, you know, a healthy family, a uh, great place to live, good schools, all these kind of things. And those are great blessings. But when you read the book of the Bible here in Matthew, uh, and specifically this chapter, Jesus starts listing out a set of blessings that most of us would not sign up for. He associates blessing with being poor in spirit. He associates blessing with mourning. He associates blessing with being meek. And then today, the, the blessing that we're looking at are blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And the, the theme, you know, just to give you a little backstory, the, the promise is blessing to be completely satisfied, to be content, happy, full of joy, uh, that is met by a specific condition. Those that are poor in spirit, those that mourn, those that are meek, those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness receive this promise that equates to a blessing. And for, you know, so far we looked at the promise of heaven. We've looked at the promise of God's comfort. We've looked at the promise of God's healing power throughout the earth, being part of inheriting the healing message of Jesus and the earth and, and embodying it within our own lives. And then today it's talking about being satisfied, being satisfied. So when you think about being satisfied, if you were to bottom line this, this whole statement and put it in everyday words that we would use, it's like we are fulfilled when we want nothing more than to be deeply connected to Jesus. We are fulfilled, blessed, when we want nothing more than to be deeply connected to Jesus. Do you believe that today? Because how you view Jesus and how you view what he has to offer really depends on whether you feel satisfied whether you experience this blessing. Because after all, the promise comes for those and only those that hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. And righteousness is essentially everything that God is. His character, his desires, his conduct, his work within the world, all of these things. Do we desire God in the fullest extent? So I don't know where you're at today, but I would challenge you to say that every last one of you, that is your greatest desire today. And I'm going to help you see that, whether you realize it or not. But, you know, it gets really confusing. So let's look at why that gets confusing. There are four longings that every human has when you start talking about desires, right? We have physical, emotional desires that we want satisfied. And we turn to all kinds of crazy things to have those desires fulfilled. You know, we can turn to, to sex, we can turn to success, we can turn to substance abuse, we can turn to the devil's lettuce, you know, we can turn to all kinds of stuff, right, <laughs> and, and to be satisfied. Yeah, a little, little weed joke, you're in Denver, all right? And so you can turn to all kinds of crazy things to find satisfaction in life and come up empty. There's this incredible desire for us to be right. If you don't believe me, look at Facebook. Post something political on your social media feed and you will see this truth come to life. Everybody wants to be right. And we will just go on and on and on in the desire to be right. There's also a desire to be content. Whether you're a minimalist or you are on the other side of entrepreneurship and where you want to achieve and own everything, there's a desire to have enough to feel content. And then there's a desire to be truly loved. To be truly loved. These are all human longings that are insatiable and impossible to turn off. You will fill these desires in one way, shape, or form. The problem is, is that all of them lead us to look inward for our own answer. And the truth is, you're not the answer to yourself. At least that's what God begins to share with us in his word. Because, see, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, something that is outside of you, a standard that is outside of you, a person, Jesus, who is not you. It's looking outside of yourself for fulfillment and answers. Those are the ones that will be satisfied, to be gorged, to be in front of you every possible good blessing and to take it all in and still not exhaust all there is. This is what God has to offer. So let's look at four longings for us spiritually that lead to a fulfilling relationship with Jesus. How do you get this satisfaction? First longing. Jesus, help me desire what you desire. You ever prayed that? Man, you ever felt like you've been backed up against the wall, have a million choices to face, and you just fall flat on your face and say, God, I just want what you want. I just want to desire what you desire. And you feel that tension of sometimes saying that I don't know that my motives completely line up. I don't know that my desires are always right. They may be things that I think are good, but I'm uncertain. It's the idea of saying, Jesus, I want what you want. Nothing more, nothing less. What would that be if that was our greatest desire? If we really pursued that, what would we find? Because, see, that's righteousness, what God desires. God desires what's right, what's good. God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. Every day, he said it was good. He gets to humanity, and he puts them as a reflection 
of his goodness in the garden to rule and keep uh, of, uh, the, the world, to enjoy relationship with him and each other. And he said, it was very good. It's righteousness. It's God's desire. It was his heart. It was his passion. It was his plan, his purpose, his desire that created all of these things and created humanity to exist in relationship with each other and in race, relationship with him to be right with God. And for us to desire that, that was the one command. The one thing I just ask in return, God says of humanity, is that you would desire me the way I desire you. But that's not our desire, is it? But if we come back to that very longing to have our desires filled, and we say that, Jesus, you are ultimately the author of all right desires... God, help me to desire what you desire. In every aspect of your life, what do you find? Relationship with God. You can't have a very good relationship with anybody if your desires are going in the wrong direction. If your desires aren't pointed towards a healthy relationship with each other, right? Why would it be any different in our communion with Jesus? See, I'll give you a quote that stuck with me once when I was in college. Bob Mowry, who ended up becoming my adopted dad, said this, and it stuck with me forever. He says, if you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. If you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. Whether it's yourself or other people, there's an emptiness in self-serving. There's fulfillment in knowing what God desires in living in his pleasure. And it's ultimately saying, God, in all things that I could take pleasure in in life, you are better. You're better. The second longing that leads to fulfilling relationship with Jesus is this. Jesus, help me become more like you. Right? So we can approach God with grace. We can approach God asking for his desires. And then there comes part where we have to align our life with those desires. We have to choose whether we're going to receive that desire that God has and let him move and work in our life. We have to decide what we need to give to him to be redeemed. We need to uh, come to the point where we realize what we need to receive from him. And we need to come to the point where we realize what we need to reject in our lives to be able to connect with him. We have to say, God, I want to become more like you. Remember me saying, if you've been following in a series, that each of these Beatitudes build on each other, right? Well, this backs up a Beatitude where it talks about meekness. Meekness is God's character, this incredible force of nature that speaks the universe into existence, is able to come in and speak to the human heart in such a way that sets them free from all the bondage and pain in their life without crushing the human soul. It's this incredible, gentle power, this power directly applied in restraint. It's the character and nature of God and God moving and working to transform hearts and lives. And when we understand his work in our life, we begin to reflect that work in other people's lives. And we embody that same message where God then begins to speak through us. And that same power that spoke to us and transforms us begins to transform people around us. It's this incredible, life-giving power that sets people free without crushing them. 
Let that sink in for a second. The God that spoke the universe into existence, you can hear his voice and he can create beauty in your life. Better than you could ever think, dream, imagine, accomplish, hope for, strive for. And it all begins with a simple longing. God, help me to become more like you. Which means we have to admit that we're not like him. We have a far worse problem. (laughs) We want to be him. And there's a conflict. See, the truth is, is we're all trying to be God. We want to be God over our sex lives. We want to be God over our destinies. We want to be God over our relationships. We want to be God over our finances. We want to be God over our views of God. We want to be God. The problem is that is that we want God to be like us. And that's horrific. The most freeing thing that you could ever experience in life is saying, it's not my responsibility to be my God or anybody else's God. I need God. There is a freedom there. Suddenly it's not about you saying, look at me because I'm the example of righteousness. That's self-righteousness, and the Bible uses two illustrations to describe that. One illustration is a steaming pile of manure. The second, and this is a bit gross, in Isaiah he equates it to a pile of menstrual rags. Not a pretty picture on your churched up best day, if you're the standard for yourself or others. It's a heaping mess. It might be good, it might be impressive to other people, but before the beauty of who God is and what he really wants to do in your life, who you really could be is nothing. simple longing. Help me to become more like you. God, I'm not you. I will never be you. I want you to define me and help me reflect your character. Reflect your character to be your image bearer, not your PR agent. It's the idea of God's character renewing our life. Where do we see this? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it's an incredible exchange. For our sake he made him to be sin. God carries your sinful image, carries my sinful image. Although he knew no sin, completely innocent of that sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness or the perfect reflection of all that is right and good of God. There's an exchange My marred image for his perfect image. And the rest of the work of the Holy Spirit is cleaning up that mirror of your life so that you are a clear reflection of his character that's shining on you. And you're satisfied because you enjoy good for the first time in your life. You understand the goodness that goes into physical intimacy into sex. You understand the goodness of being able to be generous. You understand the goodness of being able to be kind. You understand the goodness of being able to live out the image that God has wired you to live. 
third longing. And it will lead us to satisfaction in Jesus. Is this, Jesus, you are more than enough. Not Jesus, you are enough. You are more than enough. More than enough. I don't need a happy life. I don't need perfect circumstances. I don't need this house, this car, this job, this experience, this relationship to work out. I don't need any of it. You are more than enough. We're not calling God into our circle, asking for God to fix all the things so that they're perfect so that we believe that he's enough. We're basically saying you're in the circle, you're not enough, now you have to step up and prove that you're worthy of enough. But every aspect of our culture calls us into this idea that there's a circle and we're in the center of it and we define and we turn inward to find our truth and our happiness and our own well-being. Is monism. And the Bible teaches dualism. There's creator, creation. There's good, there's evil. There's right, there's wrong. There's angels, there's demons. There's God who is perfect, and there's you that's not. And the beauty of that is, is that those two ideas can come together and be redeemed and restored to reflect the beauty of all that God is. But you have to step outside of your circle, outside of yourself and stop looking inward because you're just going to find more brokenness. You're going to end up amplifying your brokenness. And if you invite the rest of humanity into your circle to validate you, you're going to get their brokenness. You're not going to get what you're looking for. But when you realize that you leave the broken circle behind and you become something that never existed before, that's the whole being in Christ, and God sees it this way, he imputes it to you, and the rest of your life is trying to wrap your head around the beauty of what God has given you in Jesus Christ, that's awesome. That's whole. That's renewal. That's what we're all looking for. This is the good news. Jesus is more than enough. Backs up in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What are they mourning over? A disconnect from their creator. Whether through circumstance or sin. And God says he meets you there, and you discover that he is more than enough. but we get caught up with the creation. We want things around us. We see this perfectly in Ecclesiastes. Let me read these verses. Just let them sink in for a second. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep for them. So I could pursue God and think that he's more than enough or I can think that there's more to be found outside of God. And Solomon, who had everything, pursued all kinds of crazy stuff. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I went after it all. I kept my heart from no pleasure, and my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Here's what it comes. This is what I found. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity. It's pointless. It's empty. It's vapor. I can't even hold on to it. And a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And he goes on, then I saw that there was more to gain in wisdom than in folly. So it's like, okay, I'm moving away from pleasures and I'm going to move into intellect. 
And there was more to be gained in light than in darkness. And the white person has uh, his eyes in his head and the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. And then I said in my heart, what happened to the fool will happen to me also. You're going to die. And when they have, I have, <clears throat> why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. So I hated life. So he moves on from pursuing every possible pleasure in life, intellectual arrogance, and now he's come up and saying, I'm just going to hate life and be bitter and die. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. And it gets darker. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair. I went from hatred to depression. Despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun because sometimes a person has, who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all of the toil and striving of his heart with which he toils beneath the sun. You know what he's talking about? Creating a me-centered world. All of this work of looking inward and striving upward and becoming my own person. What have I gained? Where is it led? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest this also is vanity. And then the light comes on. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. He stepped outside of his circle and stepped into God's circle and saying, God wants to give me these things. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? It's like, listen, God is more than enough to fulfill me, to lead me, to care for me, to give me meaning and purpose in life. For apart from him, who can have these things? And the fourth longing that will lead us to satisfaction in our relationship with God is this. I gladly give everything to connect with Jesus. I gladly give everything to connect with with Jesus, that exchange. This goes back up into the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that are spiritually bankrupt, who acknowledge that they don't have a thing to offer God. They don't come to God with a plan to work themselves out of bankruptcy. They come to God saying, I'm bankrupt, closed for business, you take over. New ownership, new leadership, new direction of my life. And the promise is the kingdom of heaven, God's ruling work in their life, God's ruling work for all eternity, the hope of life in God through Jesus Christ, now and for all eternity. I gladly resign to connect 
with Jesus. When I came to Christ, I was sitting in church. For the first time, I sat in church. A missionary named Elizabeth Elliot was speaking. If you don't know anything about Melissa, I mean Elizabeth and Jim Elliot, you need to get on the internet and search these people out. Both of them passed away. But Elizabeth talked about this life that we can have in Christ and how we turned all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and she talked about how there was this one truth that shaped her marriage with her husband, Jim, who ultimately gave his life to take the gospel to a violent Indian tribe that killed him his first day on the mission field. And then what was incredible is that she and the wives of the deceased men went back in and took the gospel to this tribe. And the gospel flourished. And I'm not saying it makes it okay, and I'm not saying it makes the grief any lighter, but God moved, and what was very dark became very light. What was very bad became very good. And the statement that shaped their life was this, that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's how she closed her message that Sunday. And I went home angry at God, convicted, feeling guilt for the first time in my life. But that phrase stuck with my mind and said, I am a fool to hold on to all of this garbage. It's never going to lead anywhere. And it's really the decision to say, I gladly give all of it in exchange for Jesus. Apostle Paul puts it like this in the book of Philippians. Yes, everything else is worthless. Paul's talking about his life, his accomplishments, what he did in religion. And he said it's all worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Compared to knowing God as opposed to trying to appease God. Compared to knowing God as not knowing God. And he understood both realms. He said there's nothing Greater than knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for his sake I have discarded everything else and counted it as rubbish, as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. No longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather I become righteous through the faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Self-righteousness is simply this. It's where we determine what's right and wrong and how God should interact with us in the world. Now, whether we look at the biblical law and think that if we keep these rules and God owes me eternal life, or we create our own more progressive liberal rules of who God is and who we think he is and how he ought to be and we make him less than he is and we live by those rules, it's all self-righteousness. And God is asking for you to lay all of that stuff down. Believer or unbeliever, lay it all down and receive what can only be given to you through Jesus Christ. It's faith. It's believing that God will actually do what you cannot do for yourself. It's trust. And it's a daily decision. God, I give everything, and no matter what circumstance I face, you are more than enough. And God, no matter 
what goes on in the world. I believe that I want more like you because you're moving and working in my life. You have power to change me. And ultimately, God, I want to desire what you desire. And if I were to bottom line it for you like this today, I would say what we find in Jesus is that our greatest desire is to be treated as sacred. Remember me talking about that? We began with the idea that our greatest longing was for God, no matter who you are on the planet. See, Jesus' work was to pull you out of sin into his righteousness, to have right desires, right character, right relationship with him, to be just, to be sacred, to be treasured and valued. And for the expression of your life and everything that you enjoy to have that same sacredness, that same beauty of Christ, treasured and held on to loosely, realizing that its value is tied to the one who has given it to you. Ever since the fall, man has been trying to fill the void of what he threw away, and he's turned all kinds of crazy stuff. He'll turn to euphoria. He'll turn to education. He will turn to experiences. He will turn to everything other than his Savior. And the question is today, where is that getting you? Believer, where is that getting you? Are you satisfied? God says, if you just desire me, your deepest longing to be sacred, to reconnect with me after all because I'm sacred. My image is sacred. I'll give that to you. You'll find that in me. You will find incredible worth in me. Is that what you're hungry and thirsty for? Are you starving for it? Listen, those of you who are believers know the story of the prodigal son. Hunger led him to the trough where pigs eat. Starvation led him back to the father's arms. If you're a believer today, God wants you home. He's just waiting for you to turn around. And I promise you, he'll sprint and he will grab a hold of you and he will love you and he will bring you right back like you never missed a moment.